Well, this past Tuesday, I had to go to Louisville for a meeting, and uh, my wife's parents, they live in Louisville as well, so I brought Emily and Levi with me, dropped them off um, at her parents' house, and then I went to the meeting, came back and picked them up, and of course, had to be back for uh, our legacy service that we did Tuesday night, so you know, we had a schedule to keep, and so we had very limited opportunity, a very limited time frame to go to... uh, a very sacred place, right? It's not a church, but I would say, I would consider it to be nearly sacred, right? Hopefully you don't think this is blasphemous. This is a place that used to be in Northern Kentucky, but unfortunately no longer is. Just came to Louisville, mile, 1.2 miles to be exact, from uh, my in-law's house. And so we wanted to hit this place, uh, you know, on the way back home. And uh, it's a place that uh, you know, we've longed for and really missed, you know, since it left and uh, a place that there really is uh, no other place like it. Wow, you guys are good. I don't know if you have already attended service today. I don't know about Union. If you're trying, I think we, many of us apparently understand the sacredness of this place called Krispy Kreme. I can't underestimate this. Now, some of you guys think I'm ridiculous, but that's just because you've never had Krispy Kreme before. So... Now, I do understand that some of you are already mad because, you know, you're distracted for the rest of the morning and you want to go to the gas station immediately and get Krispy Kreme. Yeah, it's not the same, right? The, the, the hot now sign. Yeah, you guys get right. You guys, are, you guys are right. You get the passion. You, you understand. High schoolers, props to you. And so you're like, okay, get on with it. I'm trying. I'm trying to get on with it. And so we got a picture. This, you know, a lot of times if I show pictures and a message, I'm Googling, you know, Krispy Kreme Dennis. No, this is an actual picture from my phone that I took going through the drive-thru, right? Anticipating, salivating, you know, looking forward to this, uh, this moment. And so my wife and I, fortunately, she shares this enthusiasm, probably not quite to the extreme nature, but we place our orders, right? And you're getting, you know, you know the custard filled and chocolate sprinkle. And, well, there's this thing called tomorrow. So we're going to get three, four, five. Yeah, we got six donuts. And uh, that was exciting. And then... You don't eat them right away because it's this moment, right, that you're looking forward to. So, you know, you got some traffic before you get on the highway, get on cruise control. Then you're in that moment. You're like, all right, let's break them open. And then you bite into the Krispy Kreme donut. And it's a holy experience, right? <laughs> some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Others of you think this is ridiculous. You're not coming back to church because I've gone too far. Either way, it's amazing, Right? Because there's nothing like a Krispy Kreme donut. You can, have a Krispy, or you can have a donut taste test, and you know when you're biting into a Krispy Kreme donut. Now, I would make the argument, and some of you are going to laugh at me, because you think this is going to be a huge jump, and it's really not, right, according to Scripture. I think gossip is kind of like eating a Krispy Kreme donut. I know it sounds crazy, but check out. You won't believe this. You, you'll agree with me after you hear this verse. Proverbs 18, 8, it says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. Now you know what I'm talking about. It says they go down to the inmost parts, right? In that moment, right, you're looking forward to your favorite Thanksgiving, you know, uh, part. For me, it's pumpkin pie, right? Like, oh, man, let's just get to the best pumpkin pie, right? Let's have it before dinner. Let's have it after dinner. And you taste it. And nothing else matters, right? You can be at odds with the family. It's like, hey, as long as there's food, I can hang out with any family, right? And you taste it, and it goes down. You're like, oh, man, you savor that. This is the problem with gossip. There's something that happens within us when we're on the giving end or the receiving end of something being shared. We kind of lean in and we want to hear all the details. That's why they call them juicy secrets, which is really just a weird phrase. But there's a reason why we, we, we consider gossip to consist of these juicy secrets. So this Thursday, you're going to be in the moment, right? We've all had these moments. Maybe it already happened this morning where somebody, you know, has something that they want to share. And it starts with, hey, man, did you, did you hear what they did? Oh, man, did you hear what happened? Did you hear what they said? 
And then somebody kind of on the periphery, right? They're kind of on the fringe, not part of the conversation, but they know that you're talking about somebody who did something. And they're like, what, who are you talking about, right? They just jump in. They don't wait. Like, who are you talking about? You want to be in on Juicy Secret? And then what happened, right? Well, 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 tell me more, tell me more. Is that it? Is that the rest of the story? Who knows about it, right? Well, has this word gotten out, right? Keep me updated. This is, you know, this is crazy. I can't believe they did that. We go on and on, right? This is what's going to happen this Thursday. We find 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. We're talking about, you know, this desirable dirt, so to speak, that seems to, you know, bring so much connection to other people because really we want all the, the dirty details, whatever it is. Now, if you've been a part of the church world uh, very long at all, especially a small group, have you ever noticed how, how often gossip is disguised as a prayer request? Yeah, you've been there, right? So we're all guilty. You're like, well, guys, uh, I don't know if I should share this, but, uh, well, so-and-so, they're going through something, right? We really need to pray for them, right? That takes about 10 seconds to share. But then you spend about the next 10 minutes sharing all that they're going through, followed up by a 10-second prayer for them, Right? This is a dangerous place, right? And so it's, right, you, we obviously want to pray for people that are going through things, but we have to pay attention to that which we're most enthusiastic about. We have to understand what's at stake when we're so inclined to gossip or even to stay in the moment listening to gossip. Because oftentimes we'll justify gossip by saying, well, it's true. It's true. I'm not lying. That's last week, right? I'm not lying. Well, just because it's true doesn't mean it's not gossip. Someone once said this. I thought this was helpful perspective. Everything that is said must be true, but not everything that is true must be said. All right? Something to live by there. So heads up if someone says to you, you need to pray for so-and-so because, and then they proceed to share what was meant to be private or confidential, right? Because this is not someone you would ever want to confide in, right? And so, we, you know, if you're in a small group, this is something that hopefully there's the freedom to call them out. Like, okay, we pray for them, but hey, did they ask you not to share this with anybody? Well, you church small groups should be a safe place, but it's not permission to share what you told somebody you're not going to share, right? Ideally. The reality is this, gossip hurts. Gossip hurts. There's a lot at stake. It hurts to the point that it can destroy relationships, and unfortunately, some of you have that story. could be decades ago, someone gossiped about you, even a close friend, and it fractured your relationship even to this day. It also ruins influence, right? People see you, right? And they understand that you're someone who, you know, believes in God. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, but there's a disconnect between who you say you follow and the kind of life that you're living. And so people are like, wait, wow, you're really talking bad about that person. That can't be ideal. I thought you were supposed to be living this kind of life. And so it ruins your influence. And the, the hard thing about gossip is this can happen in an instant. This is why it's so important to pay attention not to our words, but to our heart. Because again, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so if we're not in tune with our heart, then all of a sudden, words just come spewing out. You ever been surprised? We're like, oh, wow, can't believe I said that. And we do. We regret it in the moment. But the reason why they just all of a sudden came out is because our heart was not in a healthy place. So what exactly is gossip? For the one or two of you super spiritual people who have never gossiped, we'll get, just lay it out here. What are we talking about when we use the word gossip? Here's the best definition I came across. Gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back about them out of a bad heart. So you're choosing to share someone else's secret or someone, something bad about something, something that they did, something that they wouldn't want shared, right, to anyone else without their presence. They're not there or even without their consent. And so it comes really from an unhealthy place 
in our heart, that we would even have the desire, the inclination to do that. So what we're going to spend our time this morning doing is, it's, again, it's self-examination. That's what we've been doing all four of these weeks. Why? Why in the world do I want to complain? Why do I want to criticize? Why do I have the desire to lie? Why do I feel so inclined to, to gossip, to talk this way about this person? So I have to understand that when I choose to speak the kinds of words that God speaks against, it comes from a place of bitterness within me. So that could look like resentment. Maybe the person I'm talking about, I actually resent, and I'm wanting to paint a certain picture so that people see me in a better light than them, which would be jealousy. Could be another reason. Could be anger. You want to get back at that person. Maybe they said something bad about you. Now, I dig a little bit deeper. This takes us all the way back to when we're in middle school. We really want to be accepted by the people around us. Oftentimes, we gossip because we want people to pay attention to us. We want them to kind of affirm us, and we know that we have something worthwhile sharing. And they're going to want to lean in. They're going to want to pay attention to the, the details that we have. I mean, isn't it interesting how we like to be the first to know and the first to tell? Like, you kind of, oh, wow, this person, I'm the first person they, they shared it with. And so we kind of take pride in that. And, like, and then when somebody else, you know, shares something, like in a group setting, and like, oh, I don't, know, I don't know if you heard about this or know about this. Like, oh, I know about it. Yeah, they actually told me. They, they told me first. I was the first person they told. Like, well, okay, didn't know this competition. Or the first person to tell. I don't know if you guys know this, but, you know, this happened, and, uh, yeah, I'm probably the first one you've heard it from. It's like, oh, well, congratulations. Yes, you are the first person. Like, pin a blue ribbon on your chest, right? It's like, what is it? Isn't that interesting, though, like about our humanity that we have the desire to be the first to be in the know or the first to tell something? Like, I just want everybody to know before you know, anybody else tells you, right? It's like, hold on a second. Where's that, where's that coming from? In Romans 1, we see Paul list gossip alongside some serious sins. And all sin is serious. This is why, again, we're having the conversation, having this series. Because these are areas of our life. Like, oh, it's just, you know, it's commonplace, right? It's just, it's just regular conversation. It's no big deal. But God sees gossip as a very big deal. It's significant in his eyes. So in Romans 1, Paul lists gossip alongside greed, envy, murder, malice, arrogance, boastfulness. And so gossip being sin and sin being what separates us from God, we're choosing to go our own way. What's that mean? Sin, gossip itself is selfish. It's like, Choosing to gossip to talk bad about another person is basically say again, whatever to God. We even understand that's not his desire for our lives, but we want so badly to, to share this for all the reasons that we've, we've mentioned. So Paul's pointing out that people who take part in these behaviors are out of tune with really God's desire for how he wants us to be living, how he wants us to be speaking. And ultimately, it's a reflection of a lack of love and mercy within us. See, gossip is a merciless act. It really is. Because I'm saying it's, a, it's selfish betrayal. The, the reason why I gossip is because is I want to. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a respecter of no one. It's a merciless act. Gossip is sin, so it offends God, right? And probably don't need to say a whole lot more about that. That should be enough to avoid it if we care about living and honoring life in sync with God and his desire for our lives. But there's further consequences, and this is where it gets personal. Because unfortunately, many of you have stories about how it's broken or fractured your relationships in the past. Because gossip, it does just, it does do that. It destroys relationships and it can happen in an instant. 
Proverbs 16:28. I'm going through a lot of Proverbs, and so hope if you're taking notes, you know, oftentimes there's messages like this where you're going to get the most out of it when you reflect on what this really means and just kind of sit in it. And uh, throughout this entire series, I knew it was important, but just the, the prevalence of Scripture that, that talks about uh, how we use our words in our mouths, it's, it's real, honestly unbelievable, and Proverbs itself is loaded. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Right? Maybe you've been around those kind of people, they just kind of like to stir the pot, like I'm just going to kind of throw this detail, this information out there, and they know it's going to be a disruptor of relationships. Like that's pure selfishness. As long as everybody likes me, then I'm good to go. And so when we gossip, it separates, it creates conflict. I came across a story that I thought offered some profound perspective as far as the, the extreme consequences and sometimes irreparable damage that gossip can do. Here's how it goes. A woman once repeated a nasty piece of gossip about a friend. The news traveled and soon everyone knew the nasty news. The woman's friend was deeply hurt, not only by the untruths being said about her, but by the betrayal of a friend. Right? That's, that's when gossip hurts the most, someone you're connected to. The woman who had first passed on the gossip was also wounded. We've all been there, regret what we said. Racked with guilt over the pain she had caused her friend, she approached her grandfather, a man she had always seen as very wise, and asked what she could do to set things right. Right? She's wanted to repair the relationship. And so her grandpa says this, buy a chicken and have it killed. She's like, wait, what? He said, then on your way home, pluck its feathers and drop them along the road. When you have done this, come and see me again. The woman was somewhat perplexed by this advice, but she followed it anyway. The next day, she returned to her grandfather. This time, he told her to go and collect all the feathers she had dropped on the road yesterday and bring them to him. She said, but that's impossible. They've all blown away. Her grandfather said, exactly. It's easy to drop them, but it's impossible to get them back. And this is a hard truth, right? If you immediately think of a relationship that has been fractured because of words that you've spoken, and it happened in an instant. And the relationship was never the same. As much as you wanted it to be, you even asked for forgiveness. You sought out reconciliation. We remember words that are spoken just flippantly often are remembered for the rest of a person's life. Gossip can have lasting consequences, even leaving relationships broken forever. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 12 takes it to a whole other level. Really, this is gossip's kind of evil twin. It says this, mean-spirited slander is heartless. Slander is heartless. So by way of comparison, gossip is talking bad about someone's actions, something that they did. You take it to the next level, slander is actually talking bad about someone's character, who they are. You're wanting to paint them in a certain light because you really want somebody to look at them and say, they're not a very nice person, right? Think about where that's coming from. That says more about the state of your heart that you would have that desire than it does about whatever it is that they did and whoever you deem them to be. So those who choose to slander are insecure people, right, to put it bluntly. It comes from a place of insecurity because in that moment, we're wanting to raise our own status by demeaning someone else. It's this, we, we touched on this last week, this deep down search for significance that we all have. But if we choose, if we aim to go down the avenue of gossip or slander, that's a reflection of the insecurity that we're not content with who God has created us to be. We need to demean or tear down other people in order to gain approval, affirmation from the people around us. 
So before you talk about someone who's not present, we're going to turn the corner here and get really practical because we need tools, right? And if you're, you're taking notes, I'm going to run through a ton of things for the rest of the message so that we can put this in action. So before you talk about someone who's not present, ask yourself the following. Would I say this if he were here? What I'm saying now, would I actually say this if this person was in the room, right? We'd pretty much know immediately whether we would or we wouldn't. If you're on the receiving end, would I receive this bad news about her in the same way if she were present? Would I be okay with what's being talked about? Number three, am I hiding this conversation from someone? Am I trying to keep this a secret, right? Am I looking around, hoping that they're not around? You know, that's a red flag. Would I want someone else to talk this way about me if I were out of the room? A little bit of empathy goes the wrong way, a long way, right? And so you're in the, you know, this Thursday, you're on the dinner table, you're talking about somebody. It's like, step back for a second. What if somebody at their dinner table across town is talking about me this way? How would that make me feel, right? You know, this whole conversation is interesting. And, and frankly, when I put the message together, I was half embarrassed because it's so elementary, isn't it? Like none of this stuff is like, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about that before. We learned about this when we were in elementary school. But the reason why it's so important to talk about, number one, understand what's at stake. And number two, we have an execution problem. <laughs> Nobody's like, oh yeah, lying, gossip, it's all good, no big deal. Like we think it is, but we still fail all the time because we fail to understand what's truly at stake and we have these bad habits that have become commonplace because we're surrounded by it all the time. So in light of those four questions, here's a good rule of thumb, I believe. If you have to whisper it probably shouldn't be said. Probably shouldn't be said. I mean, has anybody, how often do people whisper like good things, right? If you're in a room, you know, full of people and somebody turns to their neighbor and whisper like, hey, she's a really nice person. You know, he, he said he really did something nice for me. I'm really proud of them, right? Nobody whispers nice things, rarely, right? Unless you're like in church. Hopefully you're, all you're doing is whispering nice things when you lean to your neighbor because, you know, you're trying to be quiet, right? That's the only good reason to whisper, but oftentimes people whisper things that they obviously don't want other people to hear. And so I'm self-conscious, right? I got a certain level of insecurity. I don't know about you, but if I see somebody else across the room whisper and maybe they kind of give a glance over to me, what are we going to conclude? They're talking about me. Must not be something great because they don't want me to know about that. That's just the place that we go to. Now, what's interesting about Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8, which we read earlier is, uh, it's probably apparent that I like, when I'm studying and preparing, I like to look at different translations of the Bible. And uh, the English Standard Version is a more literal translation. It's the study Bible that I use and really, really like when I'm, I'm studying. And so here's a more literal translation of the scripture we read earlier. The words of a whisperer, we read earlier in the NIV, was the word gossip, are like delicious morsels. I think this is very interesting, something we need to pay attention to. It's basically used as a synonym. A whisperer is a gossip. Whisperer, again, is the most literal translation of the ESV. So in this moment, when you find yourself discerning, am I gossiping or not, I think the most important question to ask is why. Why am I saying this? Right? What's my motivation for sharing this? Why am I listening to this? Why am I staying in this conversation? Why am I attracted to this bad news? Why am I enjoying hearing this so much? Right? You've got to pay attention. This is a reflection of the state of your heart. See, the root issue, again, is a lack of self-control born out of insecurity. It's impulsive, right? I have to share this. I have to let people know. Why? <laughs> it's because this is coming from an insecure place. 
want people to pay attention to me. I want them to, to listen to me. Choosing to share the inside scoop, so to speak, is my means to people paying attention to me. This is why gossip is a selfish betrayal. Selfish betrayal of something that someone has shared in confidence to me or something that has happened to somebody that they wouldn't want the whole wide world to know. Why am I broadcasting it? It's because I'm selfish. It's for my own means. So here's how we are to live instead. Proverbs eleven twelve. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense. This is another, a different translation from another scripture we looked at before. It said mean-spirited slander. So here we see whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but notice the second part. But the one who has understanding holds their tongue. Again, this is elementary stuff. What did we hear all through growing up? What do parents still say today? If you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all, right? This isn't new news. (laughs) That's a profound truth to hold on to, though, isn't it? Personally, I like what Abraham Lincoln said a long time ago. He says, he said, it's better to keep your mouth shut and let them think you are a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> Pretty good advice. See, while, rela- while gossip is a relationship killer, and it is, trust is a relationship builder. The very next verse, Proverbs eleven thirteen: a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Keeps a secret. Again, another translation, I looked at the message, and this was very interesting because the message translation is the most uh, conversational and, and even modern uh, translation. It's typically easy to understand, but there was a word in there that I didn't know what it meant. It's the word gadabout. I don't know how many of you use the word gadabout in your everyday conversation. Um, not recommending it because of what it actually means. Uh, if you notice here, Proverbs eleven thirteen, the message says, a gadabout, gossip, and gadabout means habitual pleasure seeker. Isn't that interesting? Someone who gossips could be an habitual, like kind of addictive to pleasure seeking, right? It makes them feel good to share this, to get that out. Well, it says a gad about gossip can't be trusted with a secret, but someone of integrity won't violate a confidence. That was the main point of last week, right? The challenge is to leave a legacy of integrity, being someone that people can rely on, count on, share something with, and know that it's safe. Are we safe? Don't you love when someone is surprised that you didn't tell someone something? They gave you a piece of information. They told you to keep it in confidence. And then maybe a month later, a year later, they found out you still hadn't told anybody. They're like, really? It was kind of sad, right, that somebody would be surprised. But in our day and age, that's the reality. But what a great feeling when they come circling back around and they know you actually didn't share it with anybody else. You actually held the words they gave to you in confidence. See, what happens in that moment is the cementing of trust. And here's what I love about how easy all of this is when we decide to execute it and have the discipline of, of talking and speaking the right way or, or holding someone's confidence. Because in that moment where you decide to keep it confidential and the cementing of trust happens, literally what caused that was your decision to do or say nothing. <laughs> Isn't that great? It wasn't like you had to, man, I really want to build this relationship. And so what do I need to do? Well, in this case, you just keep what they have given to you. Understand, they, you are a safe place. And by doing that, you're strengthening the relationship. Your respect for them shown by the holding of the word shared to you drew you closer together and strengthened your relationship. It's amazing how easy that can happen by simply doing nothing because it's a reflection of self-control driven by love for another. Self-control driven by love for another. I'm not gonna gossip about this person because I care about the relationship. 
And if I don't have a relationship with this per, the person that I'm sharing about, I respect God and his desire for me. And I understand that the more that I gossip, the more I have an unhealthy heart. It's making me a worse person when I speak that way. Now, if you're on the receiving end of gossip as the listener, pay attention to how you're receiving it, right? We're all inclined to it, right? I love information. I love finding out new things. Like, oh, tell me more. That's interesting. Notice Proverbs 17, 4. Evil people relish malicious conversation. The ears of liars itch for dirty gossip, right? They're like filling their toolbox, right? Oh, man, give me more, give me more. Can't wait to pass that on, right? It's a dangerous place to get to. So in this moment, what, what are we called to do? Well, according to Scripture, the opposite of gossip would be to cover the offense, What we're called to do in this moment is to cover the offense of gossip because gossip is offensive, especially to God himself. Here's where we see this, Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends, right? We continually see throughout scripture, it's divisive. It fractures relationships. And so if we're looking to cover the offense, we're doing it out of spirit of love. So here's two questions to stop gossip and cover the offense, again, when you're on the receiving end specifically. This first question is for those of you that have no problems with being forthright, you know, blunt and honest and just calling people out, right? You know, we have a second question for the rest of us that are a little bit more softer in that situation. First question you could ask is this, right? You're, here, you're on the receiving end of gossip. You could ask, why are you telling me this? That immediately, you know, puts the ball back in, in, in their court and they have to consider, right? Quick self-examination, right? Whether they have any desire to do that or not and why am I telling you this? A lot of times the why, the answer to the why is just because they enjoy it. And again, it's a position of selfishness and insecurity. So ask, why, why exactly are you telling me this? Now, for those of you that want to give maybe a little bit softer response, albeit not totally soft, you could ask this. Have you had a chance to talk to them about this? Hello. A little bit of a zinger there. You're getting caught up in the conversation. Somebody's giving you the dirt on this person. Like, oh, well, that's interesting. And then you break in. You had a chance to talk to them about this? You already know the answer, right? <laughs> Obviously, they're not going to be having this conversation with them in person. Now, here's a third avenue, and this, is, this one's going to be really exciting for a lot of you. Because, you know, you need, it's, it's great when we have scriptures like this that give us permission to set boundaries, when we feel guilty for some of those boundaries that are actually healthy. If the one gossiping still doesn't get it, then honestly, avoidance of that person is the best route. Right? That's not my advice. This is from Scripture. Here it is. Some of you are like, this is going to be your new life mantra. You're, you're, oh, sorry. Proverbs 2019. You know, found it in Scripture. Sorry, I can't talk to you anymore. Here it is. Proverbs 2019. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. There you go. Some of you are like, man, that's the best takeaway I've had in church for a long time. I finally have a reason to not talk to that person anymore. We should all be loving people. Hopefully that's loud and clear, but we need to set healthy boundaries because oftentimes if we give somebody a gossip, a list, continually a listening ear, they're gonna assume that we're affirming of that if we stay in the conversation, right? And they need to work on their stuff. And apparently these questions that you're throwing their way, you know, they're not helping the cause. And so it might take the extreme level of avoidance. So again, remember your words reflect your heart. If I want to know how my heart is really doing, I need to pay attention to the words that are coming out of my mouth. So I want to close this message in this series with Proverbs chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. All of my words, all of my actions, right, aren't just words and actions. They're reflections of the actual state of my heart. 
Verse 24, don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. So one more practical piece that I want to throw out there, again, especially for you note takers, because I came across this and I couldn't figure out the source of it. Many of you teachers maybe have seen this as well. All of us have also heard and said, you need to think before you speak. You need to think before you speak. So here's an acrostic, right? I hardly ever do acrostics because I think they're trite and forced, right? Like, okay, it's acrostic spelling out a word, so I got to make sure that starts with that. But I thought this was helpful. Many of you teachers maybe have seen this before. And so in the moment, right, where you're inclined to to speak certain kinds of words, I think here's some good advice, uh, thinking before you speak. So the acrostic is think, T-H-I-N-K. T, is it true? What I'm about to say, is it true? Secondly, the H, is what I'm about to say, is it helpful? Right? I'm trying to discern. Should I actually say what I'm thinking in, in my mind? I, is it inspiring? Personally, I kind of thought they overshot it with that word because, again, trying to force the acrostic. So I would say, is it encouraging? Right? Let's, is it encouraging? Is what I'm about to say going to lift somebody up? The N, is it necessary? Is what I'm about to say, is, is it actually necessary? And K, is it kind? Are the words that I'm about to speak, are they kind? I thought that was a great, a great assessment, a good measurement tool of discerning. Should I actually say this out loud? And so some of you teachers, you understand this the best when you're trying to create the kind of culture, right, in your kid's classroom where they think before they speak so that they only give life-giving words. Now, we have to, again, understand that this is not just good advice. This isn't how to get along better with the people around us, right? You can go to half-price books, find all kinds of you know, self-help books that will guide you there. What's ultimately at stake as we consider this conversation in this entire series is who we represent. You see, our words aren't just our words. Our words and our actions are representations of Jesus Christ himself. Because if we say we're a follower of Christ, then we belong to the body of Christ. And he left his spirit with us and said, you will do even greater things than I. And then he left. That's crazy, I think. But if he said that we could do greater things, and he says that one of the primary ways to do greater things is to use words that are actually life-giving, then we better believe it. Our words matter. And so we need to do the necessary heart work so that we can speak the necessary life-giving words to people who are out of tune with the kind of life that God would desire for them. But they get to catch a glimpse through our mere words that there is hope for them, that they're surprised how kind we are, how loving and grace-filled we are. By just using the right words, that could be the front door opportunity for somebody saying, I'm going to check out this thing called church and consider maybe for the first time this person called Jesus Christ because it's apparent based on my relationship with you, my interactions, that he's done a work in your life. He's changed your heart. Maybe he wants to change mine too. That's what we get to do. It's a big deal. And I pray we settle for nothing less.